0: Shane Corbin is the city manager of Atlantic Beach, which has a pretty small population, but really big plans. I knew about LEED for buildings, and I had never heard of LEED for cities. Last year, the tiny beach town took two giant steps toward adapting to climate change, and Shane played a pivotal role. This is the ADAPT podcast. I'm Brendan Rivers, a reporter at WJCT News in Jacksonville, Florida. Adapt is our online magazine about what people in our region are doing to adapt to sea level rise and climate change. In this podcast, we'll hear from some of them about what they've learned and what motivates them as our region grapples with big issues. Shane Corbin has been involved in city planning for about two decades.
1: I started as an entry-level land use planner in Hardin County, Kentucky. And from there, I moved to Louisville Metro. And I was an environmental planner for the city of
0: Louisville for five years. While he was in Louisville, his supervisor decided to put together the city's first climate action report and we hired an engineering firm to create a
1: a greenhouse gas inventory for the entire city. Um, We formed a partnership between the city, the local school system, and the college being the three biggest employers in the city knowing if we could get those partnerships together they could uh, influence change from the top down and actually influence the culture of sustainability throughout the community. So I really got immersed in the topic of climate change and the chemistry of climate change and the science behind it. And after I left that position, I still carried that knowledge with me and as a a land use planner I would do things like implement tree planting projects and look at impacts of
0: development. He had stints in Indiana and Savannah before he landed in Atlantic Beach. But shortly before Shane arrived in 2017, there was a huge power shift in Atlantic Beach. Three women with no public office experience between them unseated three incumbents, all men. Under Mayor Ellen Glasser and the city commission, now made up of four women, Atlantic Beach has been leading the charge in Duval County when it comes to addressing the threats posed by climate change. In 2019, Mayor Glasser and the City Commission unanimously supported a resolution acknowledging the threat of sea level rise and flooding and the need for the research and funding of resiliency efforts. Here's Glasser reading from the bill. NOAA reports that Florida's sea level rise of three inches since 2000 has increased flooding in the state by 300%. NOAA reports that nearby Naval Station Mayport has experienced sea level rise at one-third inch per year, a pace that has accelerated since the 1990s. Rising sea levels amplify the threat and magnitude of storm surge in coastal areas, meaning the impact and power of hurricanes will only increase, endangering even more coastal property and infrastructure. Shane has been doing a lot of the work on the ground. We did
1: analysis for sunny day flooding, and which is basically just like a bathtub model. If you pour additional water into the bathtub, it rises. And so we looked at that for 25, 50, and 100 years out. In addition to that, we did storm surge modeling on top of the bathtub model to show if you put that much water in the bathtub, and then we have a significant storm on top of that, what does that mean? So we created these various scenarios for where would additional water go? And then we did a spatial analysis using GIS, looking at property values, infrastructure, such as lift stations for our utilities, schools, the police stations, city hall, evacuation routes. So we've tallied
0: some potential property damage The results of this vulnerability assessment Shane's talking about are very visual. Charts, graphs, and lots of maps with colorful layers. Basically, all these visual tools illustrate the obvious. Atlantic Beach is extremely vulnerable to sea level rise and flooding. Perhaps the most striking map looks at future storm surge during 100-year storms, which scientists say are becoming more and more frequent due to climate change. During one of those storms at the turn of the century, under an assumed 6.5 feet of sea level rise, NOAA's intermediate high estimate for the region, Nearly all of Atlantic Beach will be underwater. Shane says now that the city has all this data, they're applying for another state grant so the city can work on what's called an adaptation plan, bringing in engineers, having community meetings.
1: And then we'll start to formulate some long range solutions or adaptation strategies to what those impacts mean, how much is it going to cost to do this stuff, what is the the public's appetite for spending certain dollar amounts on certain projects.
0: The city is assuming the ocean will rise at least one foot by the year 2044, two and a half feet total within 25 years of that, and more than six feet by the end of the century.
1: So that data set is actually right almost in the middle of all the data sets. And that's what the Navy used to do their analysis at the Mayport. Naval Station. So you've got some, I don't remember which ones, predicting really, really high. And we didn't want to do that because we do not want to be unrealistic, but we also didn't want to go too low.
0: What kinds of policies and standards are currently in place to protect homes and infrastructure?
1: The state of Florida has now required that we put some language in our comp plan about peril of flood. And the term sea level rise does show up there a couple times about trying to limit new development in areas that would be in peril of flood. We did update our comp plan last year, and we did include that language in there. And that was really the state's first attempt to start to slide sea level rise into local land use regulations and actually force, literally, force communities to start to talk about it. And, you know, whether you like it or not, when your comp plan goes out of date in five years you're not, we're not going to let you do any zone changes is, is the way it works. They freeze your comp plan. For example, let's say you're in Daytona and you've got an area that is looking to rezone from residential to commercial and it's a sizable piece of property and the city's comp plan is frozen. So the planners go to task and they go to update their comp plan and lo and behold, state has new requirements in there that you have to discuss sea level rise. It doesn't say that you have to deny development for any reason or because of sea level rise, but it forces that language into you know the official DNA of the community and they have to take it to the city council and talk about it on record in a public meeting that they're now inserting consideration of, of sea level rise into the community. So that's what the the first thing the state did. And so that started to get in the community the, the conversation going around around the state. And then they followed that up with the resilient coastline grants. That's the grant
0: Atlantic Beach recently applied for to create an
1: adaptation plan. We're pretty careful in the vulnerability analysis not to discuss carbon or climate change or why. It's not about why is any of this happening. It's just here's the data. We don't want to get that wrapped up in a debate Mm. about, well, we shouldn't be thinking about this because the science is fake or anything like that. We're just looking at how much sea level rise have we seen in the past so we know that it's happening. And then what are the predictions that we're getting from these scientific agencies? Plug that data into a model and that gives us our vulnerability analysis. So we stayed completely clear of greenhouse gases or anything like that. LEED on the other hand looks at not only greenhouse gases, but it looks really holistically at energy, water, waste, transportation, and the human experience.
0: LEED stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. It's a certification program from the U.S. Green Building Council. Buildings have a huge environmental impact, using more than 70% of all electricity and causing 40% of all emissions. And LEED was originally designed to improve the sustainability of their design, construction, and operation. But the Green Building Council recently decided to take that same concept and scale it up with LEED for cities and communities. Leaders in Atlantic Beach decided to start pursuing LEED about two years ago which
1: I thought was pretty interesting because I knew about LEED for buildings, and I had never heard of LEED for cities. I
0: think most people are in that boat.
1: Yeah, so I thought, well, I think I understand what that means,
0: but (laughs) do they understand what that means? (laughs) Shane was one of a handful of city staff to work on the certification process, but they got help from the Green Building Council and a then-college student named Sean Lahave, who we'll hear from in another episode of this podcast, and from the city's Environmental Stewardship Committee. So the Environmental
1: Stewardship Committee is a committee specific to the city of Atlantic Beach and was largely born out of concern for urban tree canopy. But they were given a charge much broader to look at what happens in our parks, other
0: environmental issues. To get LEED certified, cities are judged on everything from energy and water use to the amount of waste they generate, the efficiency of their transportation and the quality of life for the people who live there and then
1: they give you a composite score on those topics. And in order to get there, we had to do a lot of data mining. So we were going to, we were looking at census data, crime data, transportation data. We looked at our utility bills for all of our residents. We were able to get general numbers of water use per resident. We also did that for energy. And we looked at what is the tonnage of waste that we're sending to the landfill versus what is the tonnage of the weight that we're we're diverting from landfills and putting into recycling. So it took us a while to mine all that data. Good evening, Commissioners. As you know, as it was one of your priorities that we
0: became a lead certified city. And- Shane announced Atlantic Beach's lead certification at a city commission meeting last fall. We
1: did recently achieve that status as a lead for uh, lead certified city with the silver score.
0: There are four lead certification levels. From highest score to lowest, they're platinum, gold, silver, and certified. As part of the certification process, Atlantic Beach had to submit a roadmap, which basically outlines potential strategies to improve the city's score. There were a lot of strategies that other cities had done
1: that we didn't think were practical, like, we're going to have a zero waste stream by 2035. How do we do that? You know, But we would make some general targets of, at least for starters, a lot of things we wanted to do was education and outreach. We want to do education and outreach with the community on sea level rise and the vulnerability of sea level rise. We did get some recommendations for like banning styrofoam and plastic, but uh, what we eventually ended up doing was taking that those 10 or 15 pages, giving those to the Environmental Stewardship Committee and saying, talk about all these and rank these and and see which ones you think make sense or at least are you're passionate about that staff can actually work on.
0: So as far as the all this data that you had to collect as part of this process, was, was there anything that really stuck out to you?
1: Our human experience score is extremely high, which I don't know if you know anything about Atlantic Beach, but it's a pretty nice <laughs> community. We scored a 17 out of 20, three points away from perfect Our waste numbers are pretty good, scored six out of eight. So, we've got a little bit of work to do there. Energy use score is 16 out of 33. So, that's probably where we could make the most improvements.
0: I'm guessing that's the category that would include your your greenhouse gas emissions?
1: Yes, that would be. And that's probably the most tricky one to try to improve. That could involve behavior change. How do you convince people to ride their bike to the grocery instead of drive? Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty difficult. How do you convince people to spend a little bit of extra money on solar and retrofit for higher efficiency appliances and
0: things like that? That can be pretty tricky to do. One thing Atlantic Beach is considering, he says, is allowing a special financing program for home improvements— it's called the Property Assessed Clean Energy, or PACE, program. It allows homeowners to pay off the cost of adding solar panels as part of their property tax bill over time.
1: The hope is that we'll be able to offer that as an option to folks, not that we would mandate it and say everyone has to put solar on their house or anything like that. But we're in a unique position where we're having a lot of rebuilds and remodels in the city of Atlantic Beach. Mm-hmm. And we could offer that program as an option to people when they come in and they're doing, you know, they're building projects and they can potentially wrap that into their, their overall project and then and disperse that cost over time. And then we could potentially, you know, spread solar throughout the community.
0: Has the city set emission reduction goals? No, we have no. not. Is that, do you think that's gonna be part of the process at some point? It uh, could be, but we have not done that at this time. After the break, what Atlantic Beach could do to improve its lead score, and what change says just isn't possible. Thanks for listening to the ADAPT podcast. I'm ADAPT editor Jessica Palumbo. If you like learning about how Florida is responding to sea level rise and the other effects of climate change, I invite you to sign up at adaptflorida.org. That way you'll be the first to know when the next edition of ADAPT publishes or when there's a community event where you can come discuss these issues with experts. Plans for both of those are in the works right now. You can sign up in under five minutes at adaptflorida.org. The ADAPT podcast is a production of WJCT Public Media. Financial support for ADAPT comes from our readers and listeners with additional support from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations and the 2040 Foundation. More at AdaptFlorida.org. Now back to Shane. Shane says the LEED certification process costs just over a dollar for each Atlantic Beach resident. So this is a pretty big commitment from from a small city.
1: Um, not necessarily. Uh, it depends on who you ask. There, <laughs> there are some folks out there that don't believe any of the debate on or of environmental issues and so any initiative that a city does they're going to criticize and try to discredit. But I wouldn't say that any of our efforts have, have consumed an exorbitant amount of staff time or volunteer time or committee time. And one of the things that we're trying to do early on here is see if we can't implement some strategies that end up not only reducing our environmental footprint, but save us money in the long run. And so we're looking at some of those things right now, like, does it make sense to to retrofit city hall with solar? And as far as financially, I think, the total certification process, I want to say we've spent around $15,000 on that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a huge amount, but mm-hmm. there are people that will argue that that was not money well spent. Mm-hmm. As staff, we don't get into that debate. Uh, we follow the charge charges that were given by the elected officials mm-hmm. and we'll let them
0: argue <laughs> about that. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And going back to that roadmap, what, what has been done so far? policy-wise as this continued effort to pursue LEED.
1: We've done quite a bit of outreach on uh, the vulnerability assessment. Did quite a bit of research on banning styrofoam and plastic. And currently, that sounds like that's probably a non-starter here in the state of Florida because Mm -hmm. of state law that preempts us from from doing anything. We're working on a plant pallet for native landscaping We're looking at incorporating sustainability into neighborhood planning with green infrastructure as well as uh, some innovative zoning and land use. We drafted a complete streets policy. What is a complete streets policy? But essentially says anytime we repave a street or do any significant work on a street, we're going to look at it from every user's point of view and see if we can retrofit that street to accommodate all users, so not just cars, but do we have an opportunity to put in bike lanes? Can we widen the sidewalk? Do we need to put in street trees and furniture? So again, it's not going to say that every time we repave a a neighborhood street, we're gonna put in bike lanes, but we're going to look at it. Mm -hmm. And if we can't put them in, or if it doesn't make sense for us to put them in, then we'll document that and we'll say why.
0: What are some of the priorities going forward?
1: providing opportunities for people to reduce their waste streams so we're looking at doing some pilot composting programs both at City Hall and possibly at some of our parks with a limited number of residents to participate in to see we wanted to do a large-scale composting program for people to participate in how would it work is it reasonable or would it be would be a nightmare we don't know so it's really easy to sit around a table and say Mm. You know, we need to compost all of our food scraps in the city of atlantic beach well how do you get that food from you know you, you scrape it into a bucket at your table where does it sit how long does it sit there who comes and picks it up mm-hmm. what sort of health concerns or bacteria gets transferred what sort of rodents get attracted and how do you deal with all that so when you're tackling these issues, it's, it's very easy to say, you know, we're going to do something by X percent or we're, you know, this is what we need to do. But when you have limited resources and you're dealing with people, it's hard to, to get anyone on the same page to do the, the same thing perfectly right all the time. So for some of these things, we'll try some small pilot programs. And if, hey, they're a hit, then we'll make them bigger.
0: Again, that's Shane Corbin, Atlantic Beach's city manager. To see some of the results of the city's vulnerability assessment and how it scored in various LEED certification categories, look at his Q&A on AdaptFlorida.org. There you can get to know all six of the people profiled in this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Adapt Podcast. I'm Brendan Rivers. Production help came from Lindsay Kilbride with editing by Jessica Palumbo. The theme music was composed and performed by Davin Llewellyn and Keith Phelps from The Conglomerate. The ADAPT podcast is a production of WJCT Public Media. Financial support for ADAPT comes from our readers and listeners with additional support from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations and the 2040 Foundation. More at adaptflorida.org.